But I mean, regardless, just not not a good scenario for Florida State coming out of the spring. Obviously, they've already lost a couple of players to the portal, but no one that was going to have an impact like Joshua Farmer this upcoming season, especially a guy that still has potential to develop into a star, a real star at the college level. And it's important to note that, you know, as far as we know, he's not actually in the transfer portal yet. All he said is that he intends to enter it. Right. He's, he's only got a couple of days because it doesn't it, the the window closes, I believe, at the end of the Sunday. week. Yeah. So he's only, got a, he's only got a few days to decide this is really what he wants to do. I'm sure, you know, Coach Hagan's Norvell are, are on him hard to, to stay in Tallahassee. It, it's just an interesting scenario. You know, is this really just a playing time thing? Is it an NIL thing? You know, it's it's going to be a big conversation, not just for this week, but going forward if he decides to to go to a new school and if Jackson follows him. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. We're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful and fantastic Wednesday evening. Spring is over. It's a wrap. And now we are truly into the rough time of the offseason for Florida State football and Mike Norvell, along with basketball. But with me this evening, we've got Dustin Lewis, our editor-in-chief at NoGameDay.com. And down below is our basketball lead writer, Austin Vizi. Gentlemen, we've got a couple things to discuss, including some transfer portal drama. But how are we doing this evening, gentlemen? Good to be back. Good to be back. You know, first week, well, I guess, yeah, really the first week without any football now at Florida State, wrapping up the spring, and we're already having some more interesting news. You know, normally we get into that dead period, but with the spring transfer portal window, apparently anything can happen. Yeah, just just keep it coming, honestly. There, there's some times in the offseason where we're just like for a month, where we're just, man, <laughs> scrapping for content. But here we are. we got some stuff to talk about. We definitely do have some good things of content to talk about. I don't know if it's maybe positive in Florida State's direction, at least right now. A lot of question marks this week for sure, but we'll get into that discussion in just a few. We're going to talk Joshua Farmer. We're going to talk about the attrition and some of the transfers that have already entered into the portal, finding their new homes too, including Derek McClendon and Brennan Gant going to join Deion Sanders at Colorado. Uh, we're also going to recap a little bit of our weekend in Orlando at Kenny Shaw's camp with Jameis Winston and a few other former Knowles. And then VZ is going to end us off with some basketball. So nothing too crazy, but I'm sure we're going to have a pretty good discussion on the farmer situation. As always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, feel free to hit the like button, comment. If you have any topics or questions, throw them our way, and we will try to cover those throughout the evening. 
But yeah, gentlemen, let's jump into the big discussion of the week, and it's drama. We have some drama going on after the spring game. Florida State defensive tackle, uh, a player that has improved a lot under Odell Hagens, Joshua Farmer tweeted that he was intending on entering the transfer portal just yesterday, and this has created kind of a whole just, I don't know, chit chat between you know florida state our discord's going crazy everywhere but you know there was some rumors about it just a, a day before it and then he enters it and you know actually not too long ago i think it was today where carol jackson joined joshua farmer on an ig live and if you guys didn't know those two are very close they played football in high school together in gaston county those guys very close with one another were on ig live and there were some things talked about that, hey, if you're going, then I'm going, and we're going to go to the same team. So if Joshua Farmer is going to end up actually leaving the Florida State football program, Daryl Jackson's going to leave, and Daryl Jackson just transferred from Miami to come play with his high school team- teammate in Tallahassee with Farmer. So now it's just it's just a building snowball to me, Dustin, and just kind of give me your thoughts on the whole situation because this is a player, Dustin, you and I watch at practice and you're like, this guy is getting better and better. And he, yeah, he's a, he's a second string guy. He brought in some transfers, but he's, he was going to be a player that was going to play a lot of snaps in 2023. It's pretty surprising to say the least. I guess we'll start with Joshua Farmer, a guy who has really developed into, you know, a starting caliber player now, over the last couple of years, you know, Florida State really had to develop him when he came in. But like you said, we've seen those strides, especially this spring. He's really taken it up to another level. But then at the same time, when you look at Florida State's defensive line room, I mean, there's a ton of talent in that room. Fabian Lovett coming back, the addition of Braden Fisk. Um, you've already mentioned Jackson. But even behind that, you've got guys like Dennis Briggs and Malcolm Ray who started games <clears throat> who started games last year. Daniel Lyons as well, who has shown some real strides coming off his first year at Florida State. So, I mean, there's a ton of depth in that room. And Farmer has shown strides, but at the same time, you know, like you said, he's not going to be a starter going into 2023 for Florida State. This is a guy who's fighting to be in that rotation, the third, fourth, fifth man on that depth chart. And, you know, I think that was something that kind of came into his mind here when it came to this decision, knowing that he's not going to get the amount of snaps that maybe he wants in his head going into 2023. But I think it hurts Florida State if this decision stands, if Farmer doesn't elect to come out of the transfer portal and return to Florida State. I think this is more of a hit to the program in 2024 than it is in 2023. Because you look at next year, Lovett's going to be gone. Fisk is going to be gone. Briggs is going to be gone. Um, You never know with a guy like Darrell Jackson. We'll see how the scenario works out. But if he does get his waiver and plays at Florida State in 2023, that's certainly a guy – that could go to the NFL after one year if he puts that on paper, like what we've seen so far um, in practices. So I think it hurts Florida State more in 2024 because you're losing a guy in Joshua Farmer who it looks like he'd be elevated into a starting role that season. But, I mean, regardless, just not not a good scenario for Florida State coming out of the spring. Obviously, they've already lost a couple of players to the portal, but no one that was going to have an impact like Joshua Farmer this upcoming season, especially a guy that still has potential to develop into – a, star, a real star at the college level. And it's important to note that, you know, as far as we know, he's not actually in the transfer portal yet. All he said is that he intends to enter it. Right. He's, he's only got a couple of days because it doesn't, it, the the window closes, I believe, at the end of the Sunday. week. Yeah. So he's April only 30th. got a, 
he's only got a few days to decide this is really what he wants to do. I'm sure, you know, Coach Hagan's Norvell are, are on him hard to, to stay in Tallahassee. It, it's just an interesting scenario. You know, is this really just a playing time thing? Is it an NIL thing? You know, it, it's it's going to be a big conversation, not just for this week, but going forward if he decides to, to go to a new school and if Jackson follows him. Yeah, NIL is certainly believed to be a factor in this decision. You know, Joshua Farmer looking to, you know, maybe get a bigger deal right now. And, you know, it's hard to fault the players for this. This is certainly what we expected whenever NIL was finally introduced and, you know, made legal. And now it's at the point where Florida State and the battles in and these other collectives can all kind of collaborate with each other. I mean, this is just the way that it was going to go since day one with NIL. And now you're kind of seeing Florida State on that other end. I mean, they were able to get a couple of guys over the last couple of years from South Carolina. You've got a couple on the roster right now, obviously, and Jaheim Bell and Gilbert Edmond. And now you're kind of seeing Florida State potentially on the other end of that. Uh, take a look over at Joshua Farmer's social media channels. And, you know, we can't just go off the Twitter likes and stuff. But his last two retweets, besides what he tweeted yesterday about entering the portal, he retweeted um, Georgia's official unveiling of their championship rings. And then he's also got a retweet on his account of Georgia also tweeting about Jalen Carter's path to the draft, which Jalen Carter, obviously a defensive tackle coming out of Georgia this year who's expected – to be drafted in the first round. So, I mean, a little bit interesting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy, and that's what we're going to have to get used to as a whole covering college football as NIL. And, you know, this is something we had discussed a year ago uh, about, you know, what happens when your teammate, the guy next to you, or maybe he's the one that's getting the same amount of snaps, but then you're getting paid more. Like it just starts a whole like situation in your head. And, you know, there's other schools out there that are a hundred percent trying to grab you along. And, you know, that's, there's things like that. And right now Florida state is a team with a lot of talent and there's going to be some schools that are highly interested in these guys, but uh, with Joshua Farmer's situation, I would say it was definitely a surprise just starting from the very beginning, a surprise because he doesn't come off as a player of that kind of, I don't know, mentality. He's more of stick with what he's got and work to improve. And he's been developing very nicely under Odell Hagens and just going back to some of his work ethic that he had in high school, not like his work ethic's going to fall off because of this whole situation. I don't think that, but it's just, you know, you find out a little bit more of some people when NIL stuff is introduced. And it puts Florida State in a weird situation now where you would love to have that talent going into the 2023 season. I get Dustin's point about it and packs you more for 2024. But Joshua Farmer was one of the players last year that when Fabian Lovett went out, Joshua Farmer was one that stood out to me that was making plays for Florida State last season. And you know, you brought in some transfers, yeah, and you're still waiting on Daryl Jackson's waiver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're hoping, and I think we all feel pretty confident that, yeah, Fisk will be ready to go to start off 2023. But, you know, you're starting to wonder a tiny little bit here on, you know, that defensive tackle room. I think, yeah, you've got room. You've got you got some guys, and you're going to have to rely quite a bit on some younger talent. But it's just – Start, you know, you have some question marks that I don't think any of us were expecting going in after wrapping up the 2023 spring camp. You know, we weren't expecting Farmer to be one of those players to 
put his name into the fold. And like there was a question here earlier, has he officially actually entered his name into the transfer portal? From what we know, that's not official yet. He has not put his name into that portal. Um, right. That's just what he's declared on social media. And I mean, typically it can take 48, 72 hours for guys to officially appear in the portal once they do make those intentions. Yeah, it gets interesting. It certainly so I guess does. really, really the next step is seeing if he does officially enter that portal and, you know, if schools start reaching out or if he does decide to come back to Florida State. But, I mean, either way, this this could p- potentially be a, a pretty decent loss for Florida State in that defensive line rotation. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, but obviously they dealt with some real injuries in that room a season ago. You know, Logan, outside of Fabian Lovett, multiple guys in that room missed time or – were banged up throughout the season. And Joshua Farmer, like you mentioned, was a guy who was able to come in, step up, and show some real promise. And you would expect the same thing again this season if someone or two guys were to go down. Because, I mean, that's just a position for, you know, whatever reason is prone for guys getting banged up or accumulating some some um, some injuries here and there. So I think Joshua Farmer, you know, we'll see what happens. But – Either way, it's a big loss for Florida State. And you, you look back to last week, Brendan Gann as well, losing a guy like that in the linebacker room who was a guy in the rotation last year, part of that four-man unit for Florida State at linebacker. So, I mean, now in, in just a week's span, you've lost two guys who were at least set to play a role on that defense in 2023. And to your point about injuries, you've also got Fisk, who's coming off a shoulder injury. Uh, that, that's yeah. that's a room that's obviously got the talent, but they got to stay healthy and be on the field to, to – really make the best of that talent. And like you mentioned earlier, this isn't maybe the biggest loss for 23, but 24, that's a very veteran group. That's got a lot of young talent. That's, that's trying to develop. And, you know, 24, they may have to go, go out and get another transfer to, to make up for this. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, starts becoming a sticky situation. So we're going to have to play the waiting game and see if anything becomes official. If the name does end up going into that portal and there's going to have to be some pursuing, I think. And just in case anything goes down and I know, you know, Florida state, you know, with Dennis Briggs, I think he's going to have to play a pivotal role. Florida state's got to be able to keep, make sure guys are being retained. And I know that's where you have a lot of NIL groups and you've got the battles end working hard at doing that. But, you know, things get a little bit more tricky when you've got a caliber defensive tackle, this type of talent that can start for a lot of teams, and, they can, and, he, and he can start for a lot of other teams in the conference. But, you know, at this point, he would be in that too deep. And that's just a situation that it is when you're bringing back a guy like Fabian Lovett, you're bringing in Daryl Jackson, you've got Braden Fisk, too, in the caliber of his talent that is expected to be a starter in 2023. That's just kind of how it goes. It just is what it is type deal. And I understand NIL is, is going to play a pivotal role moving forward in college football. But, you know, Florida State's got to stay ahead of, of things, and I th- feel like there might have been some miscommunication in, in some parts of this, and um, def- definitely a shock. A surprise for sure, and it would be an even bigger surprise if Farmer were to truly depart from the program and Darrell Jackson follows him as well. I mean, that, that would – I don't want to say decimate, but really hurt Florida State's interior defensive line, which we've discussed – throughout the last couple of months and throughout the offseason, how we expect it to be maybe one of the better interior defensive lines in the entire country. And you lose two guys like that, it certainly impacts the outlook and the ceiling of what Florida State can do on the interior in 2023. It's, that's two of your top five guys, you know, potentially. 
and, and granted, Jackson still has to go through the waiver process, but we all expect him to get that waiver. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a decent loss for the depth for sure if it ends up happening. Well, including some guys finding some new homes already. Two guys that recently just visited for Deion Sanders' spring game is going to end up committing to Colorado. That's Brendan Gant, former Florida State linebacker, and then former Florida State starting defensive end from last season, Derek McLendon, also electing to go join Deion in primetime over there. What's y'all's reaction to that? Because as we put out a piece earlier today, there's a lot of attrition going on in that roster over there. They're starting from the bottom. They're scraped off about 51 or more players. I think it was 51 this morning, but holy smokes, a lot of things changing in Colorado. But Dion is hoping to grab some two, grab some former Knowles to help and build a build a new program, basically, at Colorado. Yeah, as of yesterday, they'd had 18 guys under the portal since Monday. And I'm sure that's, that number's gone up in – since, since yesterday it, it's i don't know what to think of it I, I don't know what to think of all these guys are in the portal and there's that one tight end who said you know they're, they're not letting me get my practice film to to share with other teams it's it seems like it's a messy situation but you know we don't really know everything but when there's this many players leaving i think like like you said it's close to 50 players have departed since last year's team you know there's only so much you can make of it. Uh, I'm happy for Brendan Gant. I'm happy for McClendon. I'm, I'm sure they're going to get a good chance to shine, but it's just, it's just interesting. I, I think that's the only way you can put it. I agree. I think interesting is the term that you can put here. And I was wondering, I was like, how is Colorado forcing all of these guys out of the program? So I was doing some research, and apparently there's some ki- type of NCAA bylaw loophole that USC was able to find last year whenever Lincoln Riley – first arrived there that let them start shedding scholarship players. And basically when a first year head coach arrives, they can cut players from the roster, but they'll still be able to have their academic scholarships. If that makes sense, if they enter the transfer portal, then the program can be free of them entirely. So we're kind of seeing Deion Sanders in Colorado take advantage of the same rule. And, you know, it's the same thing. Once these guys in the transfer portal, Colorado is no longer bound for them and they don't have to honor that scholarship. So it's been very interesting. We've never seen a roster purge like this in college football history, I, I think you could say. And, you know, another thing that the NCAA is helping out with here, they obviously passed that rule. I think it was last offseason before the uh, the 2023 signing class or whatever, but they passed. So you can, add, you can add as many people as you want. It's no longer limited to 25 players a year for the next two recruiting cycles. Obviously that included the 2023 cycle and, and now I believe the 2024 cycle. So, I mean, Dion in Colorado kind of going balls to the walls here. And, and, I mean, we'll see how it works out for them. I think adding guys like Derek McClendon and Brendan Gant, those are the type of guys you want to bring into your program who are going to be able to provide quality production next year. I, I really do think that Gant and McClendon might end up being two of the top ten players on Colorado's Colorado's roster in 2023. And I don't think that's a stretch to say, you know, you're looking at a program that went one to 11 a season ago that clearly doesn't have a lot of guys coming back to the program. So when you look at bringing guys in like McClendon and Gant, who already have the experience at the college level have proven it in a conference like the ACC McClendon as a starter last year, Gant as a high level contributor in that linebacker room and on special teams, they should be able to bring some stuff that Deion Sanders in Colorado will, will really value. It, I, my best guess is Dion's trying to do what USC did with Lincoln Riley last year 
and it's just continue to add guys and completely flip that roster. You know, USC went from four and eight to 12 and three last season with a Heisman quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's happening here. Colorado just hasn't gotten that kind of talent. They haven't gotten to Caleb Williams per se, but I think that's what he's trying to do. The shittier Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sure in his mind, he's saying if we get all these old guys out of here and refresh it with new talent, we can flip this team around and, and maybe have some success this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happening. To me, this is kind of like it, – it's like you pass a car on fire on the interstate. You can't help but, like, look at it. It's kind of like – that's kind of how I v- view this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with out the car on fire, can. but, I mean, the the difference in the way that Lincoln Riley retooled USC and what Deion Sanders is doing at Colorado is just – you can't even compare them. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley only ended up shedding about ten scholarship players. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm think I'm just sure that's what Deion's thinks. Like the the more new fresh talent we can get in here, the better we can be. I'm I'm sure that's how he's viewing it. For sure, you just didn't mention the number. I just wanted to bring it up so yeah. people know. Like Lincoln Riley was about ten guys, and Deion Sanders is sitting near the forty high forties, low fifties mark as of Wednesday. And we mentioned earlier in the podcast, guys have until Sunday to hop into that transfer portal. Odds are a couple more Buffaloes are going to be on the move. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Derek McGlynn. Yeah. Immediate starter for Colorado's defense. And then for Brennan Gann, I think he's going to have a really good chance of competing for a starting job over there and for Colorado's roster as well. But yeah, two, two talented players and Deion Sanders is getting them They're, They got to bring in players no matter what the real big, trouble for him is you're going to be bringing in a ton of players from across the country from different programs and you're going to try to acclimate i mean it's not our job anymore thank god we don't have to worry about that and you know <laughs> did our time here in tallahassee that is a multiple year long situation that's i mean resources it's a lot different there and the conference that he's in with colorado but you know it just i think it's i just want these guys definitely like brendan gant a guy that is definitely looking for more playing time because he knew he wasn't going to get going to get that in one of his last seasons at Florida State. You need to go do that in another program, and you know, wishing him the best of luck. I think that he's going to play a really pivotal role in that defense, along with Derek McClendon off the edge. And really, I'm wondering: is Gant going to move back to safety, or is he going to stick at linebacker now? I mean, he was posting those visit photos where what was it, number two? I think. Well, to, to me, that's a. Well, they're not letting them wear number two. That's I know, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> to me, that's a defensive back number. But like, that's something defensive backs are wearing in, in a visit photo shoot. That's just something I'm viewing at. It was, he might have just been trying like, to wear Dion's number. and Maybe, yeah. Look snazzy. <laughs> yep. Now, I think, too, for, yeah. Gant, he's a guy that it takes a good long while for him to put on weight. So maybe it's better for him to go back to DB or wherever Dion thinks fit for him. But he was a guy that to me played, played well for the linebacker position, but he would, Mm. it's hard for him to keep on size. It's not the easiest. Uh, Let's uh, jump into some NFL draft because that's coming up and there should be some good stuff about that coming for Jamie Robinson, former Florida State star, former Hear the Spear alum. He's got a busy weekend ahead of him. The draft begins on Thursday night. Looking forward to being at the Bucks facility. It would be nice if the Bucks would like to draft Jamie Robinson. I thought we were getting close to that last year with Jermaine Johnson, but that ended, didn't end up being the case, sadly. That would have been just phenomenal content. It would have been great. But 
expecting Jamie Robinson, most likely a day two pick, but all throughout this entire process, it seems like Jamie Robinson's put himself in a really good spot to get picked in a system that is going to be able to utilize his talents well. And I think it's going to happen pretty, pretty early in that second day um, and that range, either if it's like mid second, late second, I think that Jamie's got a really good chance of, of getting selected, but you know what, like we were talking about in the production meeting, we don't know Jack. Nobody knows Jack actually. <laughs> All these experts and everything that do these mock drafts have no it's clue. All, it's a crap. What's going to happen? Yeah, but you just kind of go. You can go off of too, like all the visits that Jamie took. But I feel like we did that with a few other players last year and didn't even end up being the case. So uh, some teams, yeah, they they like you a lot, but they're not going to come bring you over here and give you a visit because they want to stay back and hope that they fall to you. So then you also have that play for other NFL teams. So it's all over the place. But at least just for me personally expect i think he's he, he's well in that day too kind of like in the middle there might be a little bit early i don't think he goes i don't think he goes late third we'll see the the tough thing is he's a undersized player at a undervalued position you know safeties aren't as valued as they used to be and he's only 5'11 with shorter arms than a lot of teams are preferring everything i've been seeing is he's like a late third early fourth kind of guy you know maybe he ends up going earlier than that um, and it, but if you look at the teams that, you know, that Logan reported that he visited Arizona Cardinals, Green Bay, Vegas, and New England, those teams have a lot of picks in that, you know, late third, early fourth kind of range. So like, like I said, maybe he ends up going earlier, but it's just safeties don't go as high as they used to, unless they're a freak like Derwin James, you know, those safeties that mm-hmm. are six, four, you know, run four, four can go sideline to sideline or like a Kyle Hamilton, who is just unreal for Notre Dame. Unless they're like that, that's the only re- only way they're going high anymore. And the more I see it, a lot of teams are just worried about his short arms is what it's coming down to. I agree. I think Jamie obviously has the production on the field. And I mean, we've seen what he's done off the field during the interview process and things like that. I mean, certainly a guy that would bring good traits to your franchise on and off the field. But I agree with you also. When teams look at him, you don't see an, an elite athlete and some things like that. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it how it goes. I personally am thinking in that third to fifth range right now because, you know, like I said, although he didn't test well athletically at the combine, he really did what he was supposed to do in the on-field portion of it. Obviously has impressed some um, teams, GMs, NFL personnel, things like that to get invited on some of these top 30 visits. So it's going to be an interesting process for Jamie Robinson. You know, he's kind of, how would you say, a low ceiling, high floor type yeah. of prospect. Bringing him in, you know what you're going to get out of Jamie Robinson. I mean, that's a gritty, competitive football player. He might not be an elite athlete, but like we saw at Florida State, he's going to make those plays when it's time. He's going to come up, lay the wood in the running game, going to be able to defend some guys, uh, maybe have some coverage breakdowns every now and then, but – more often than not, put himself in the right position to make a play. And, I mean, that's why he led Florida State in tackles his last two seasons at Florida State. That's why he was the first back-to-back, first-team all-ACC selection for FSU in that defensive back room since Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's proven what he can do. But like you said, I agree that teams really value that athletic um, – the value the athletic traits, look at the body size, the arm length, things like that. And that could be something that they detract against Jamie. It's tough because, like, you know, he, he can't help it. It's like he can magically grow 
three more inches and become that prototypical <laughs> NFL size. That's what Bryce he, Young said. He's got he's got the heart. He's got everything you want from a football aspect and and a play aspect. It's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. NFL draft is one of my favorite times of the year. I, I know we talked about this the past past few years. Um, but it's, it's just a fun time seeing where these guys end up. Yeah, before we've got a big year next year with this NFL draft, just getting us a tiny, tiny little warm up before that begins because that is going to be huge for Florida State. A lot of guys going in 2024s. But looking a little bit here, he's going to be coming in with 5'11, 191 pounds. Uh, he had a good, he had a good combine. I think he had 23 on bench too. Had a decent 40 as well. Uh, but like you were saying, Dustin, you know what you're going to get from him. And you know that he can come in and play if need be. Uh, and, you know, I'm just interested to see where he goes in a system, which team would like him. But, yeah, I ran a 4.59, had a 1.58 split. Really what split. hurt him was the broad jump and the vertical jump. He was – those were two of the worst numbers by any safety of the combine. But he was, mm-hmm. he was strong. Like those 23 reps on the bench press is really right. impressive from a safety. It's just like, you know, teams don't look at a safety and go, oh, yeah, we want a big, strong safety when they're not 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, like, when you're 5'11", you've got to be kind of fast. That's kind of how the teams go at it. And, you know, just a hair under 4'6", you know, it's not bad. They just would have liked it to be in the low 4'5s or the high 4'4s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Granted, he, he's one of those players. He's one of those players. He plays faster than he actually is because he just knows where mm-hmm. to be. It's kind of, yeah, and like when the pads come on, too, it's kind of like Jordan Travis. When the pads come on, that guy's faster somehow. Yeah. That's just how yeah. it was. That's what, yeah, it's just weird like that. Um, but, yeah, should be fun. So, most likely looking at a Saturday pick for Jamie, but that would be huge for Florida State. Another DB going early in the draft is always great to see. Add that What's your prediction? Uh, what team? I'm going to go. I'm going third. I'm going to go third, but early third. Uh, a team that I think would like him. I like the Raiders for him or the Patriots. I like those two teams for Jamie. I feel like that would fit Belichick's defense. He does like having those versi- versatile defensive backs. Def- definitely at the safety position. So I'd go Patriots there. And, uh, and then a few other safeties that went through with the Raiders. I think would fit the mold there in Las Vegas. So those are my two teams. If I can pick two. Yeah. Which just for reference, the Raiders sit right there at the top of the third at pick 70 and the Patriots aren't too far behind at 76. Okay. Sweet. I like that. What are you thinking? Dealey? What do you got? What do you got put on? Like you're an executive You're in the war room. You got to make your pick. I've got it locked in. I was going to say, uh, fifth round to the San Francisco oh. 49ers. I don't think he goes that late. I think, it'd be a good, I think it'd be a good fit in that defense. It, it'd be fun to see him in that defense, honestly, sure. see him in that backfield with, with that kind of front four pressure with Bosa coming off the edge. They don't have a fourth round pick. That's why I couldn't say fourth. Yeah, maybe they trade up. up. Maybe they could trade <laughs> up and grab him. Yeah, maybe they trade up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the visits. We, okay. we we said he went to Arizona. Arizona's got two picks right there at the end of the third, top of the fourth at 96 and 105. I, I say they take him right around there. Mm, okay. Play along Isaiah Simmons and some other guys in that backfield. 
I don't, yeah. but especially especially because Buda Baker just requested a trade too, so they need a safety. Yeah, I'm I was just gonna saying. say, yeah, Buda Baker. I was thinking that too. Just similarity similarities a little bit too, but yeah, they gotta they gotta fill up something there. There's a question on here. This is a good one from uh, T Swifty asking, "How many picks does Florida State have next year? Over under at seven? Over. I think the over under needs to be around eleven. I mean." Let's start going from the top to bottom. Jared, Jared verse, Fabian Lovett, Trey Benson, Trey Benson. Yeah, I was gonna say go by position; it'd be way easier. What about Jay Trav? Trav's tough. It depends how Trav's much. Trav's gonna get drafted. He'll he's getting get drafted. drafted. Yeah, he'll, he's it depends how much progress he makes as a passer because he's undersized. Shoot, you could say that about two of the damn quarterbacks that are going right tomorrow yeah, but Bryce, night. Bryce Jones won a Heisman, so like it's it's a lo- little different. Hey, I'm not saying Travis can. I'm just saying Young has. Um, he he might. It really just depends how much progress he makes as a passer. Because mm-hmm. as I've talked about in the past, you know, NFL's NFL teams often draft quarterbacks, expecting them to fit in a scheme and not design a scheme around a quarterback. And tra- Travis, tra- so far, Travis has been one of those quarterbacks. So you kind of have to design around him. So we'll see how this season goes for him. I, I will. I wouldn't mark him down. Just yet. Mm. I'm not saying he's like a top fifteen pick or yeah, anything, no. but you know, know. I think someone like Brock Purdy, you throw I, the flyer I, out late, or I think I think that they chose... even before that. I'd, I'd say if Malik Cunningham gets drafted this year, then for sure Trav will get drafted next year. But that's you know those are two. He's better than Malik. Yeah, Cunningham. no, for sure, for sure. I'm not saying he's not better than Malik Cunningham. We'll see how it goes. I, I am for for now. I'd put him on the list. Benson, obviously. Johnny Wilson. I think you could make a case potentially for Toa Philly. I mean, we'll see how this season goes. Yeah. But he fits that mold of you know. You look at how NFL is now. A guy that can run and catch the ball in the backfield fits everything that the modern day NFL offense for pretty much. I mean, pretty much any team around the league. I agree with you, Johnny Wilson. We'll see how Kentron mm-hmm. does. Um, I think you got to look at that tight end room at, at Jaheim Bell. Mm-hmm. On on the old line, Robert Scott. Robert mm-hmm. Scott's got a lot of buzz. We could, we've even put out articles the last couple of years about he's gotten some some potentially high draft pick buzz. We'll see how he plays this season if he could stay healthy. Yeah, um, that would be the big thing. Yeah, maybe even a guy like Bless Harris if he can stay healthy. I think Byers is in the conversation. Yeah. Roddick and Jones are both going to be seniors. I mean, we'll just – we'll see how they play. I mean, I guess you kind of compare them. We'll see if Dylan Gibbons maybe gets a flyer late. Yeah. If, mm. if Gibbons doesn't get drafted, I can't see them. But, you know, we have a, also haven't seen them play at Florida State yet, so it's hard to tell. I'm looking at and then going. I'm looking – Okay. I was going to say Ronaldo. Ronaldo, maybe Fentrell if he has a good season. Fentrell has Akeem, a potential there. Akeem Den if he stays healthy. Yeah, health is a that, big, big – health is a, huge for him. That's another guy. I think at one point he was a protected first-round pick. They're, they're yeah, it was side. the Patriots. I think we put a piece yeah. out on that. That's I think right. it was the yeah, Patriots right. last year at this time, offseason. So he's a guy he, yeah. he can stay healthy. And then Kalen Deloach, we've obviously got to mention him. He's a guy that I think's going to go pretty high for a linebacker, like maybe like mid-second, early second. I think um, Bethune could get picked. He's a little bit yeah. – Undersized, but I mean, 
proven, proven so we're, we're definitely good. at the over we're definitely well, at the that's over. what i'm saying i, mean, I, I think if, if if it's not double digits next year then something went wrong in my opinion or they somehow mm-hmm. retained a lot of guys again i mean yeah something happened yeah money came in yeah money came in just not for our guy farmer too soon maybe i don't next know next year is there's the money year tomorrow. for a lot of guys yeah yeah yeah, it is 100%. So, yeah, definitely the over on that. But that was a good question to bring up in, into the comments for us. Side note, Logan, who are you hoping the Steelers draft? We did a good job this offseason with the offensive line. Could still do some more damage there. So, I think we'll do that. But in the first round, <sighs> mm. <sighs> we, we probably, we'll probably go defense again. I mean – I would love, I would love to have a nice. We've got Minka at the safety, but we do, we do need a nice corner. I'll be honest with you. Just we just get, give away get our a, corner. We just give away a, Hilton to Bengals. Get a legacy, Joey Porter Jr. Get him, get another Porter back yeah. in the building. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So I'd like, I like a nice. We we we're kind of up and down with our DBs, man, and who we select. We're fine at wide receiver. We know how to draft a wide receiver, but. What about you with the Vikings? I mean, after y'all lose yeah. Dalvin, now you got to find your new running back, right? I mean, we haven't traded him yet. Uh, th- there's a rumor they're trying to trade him the top three for Anthony Richardson, and if that happens, I'm going to be a Carolina Panthers fan. Uh, I'd, I'd be so upset. I'd be so mad. You know, I'm fine just sticking at 23 and taking, like, Deontay Banks, a physical corner, um, or even, like, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, get a guy to replace Adam Thielen. You know, there's a couple ways they can go. Florida State, or not Florida State, the Vikings don't really have a ton of picks. So I, I'm cool if they even trade back. Like if there's a couple guys off the board at 23, just trade back, get some value later in the later in the draft. And Dustin is a neutral NFL guy. So I don't now, care who gets drafted. <laughs> just Jamie. Just Jamie, right? Wherever Jamie goes, that's what matters. Pretty much. I don't really have a preference. I just want the Bucks to pick someone that will drum us up some news. Yeah, Bijan. I would take Bijan because I feel like uh, that would be a pretty good backfield with him and Rashad White. Nice, cost-controlled, young backfield to work with moving forward for a couple of years. And plus, I feel like you'd have some really good some really good headlines to kind of talk about with a guy with his talent coming in to Tampa Bay. Yeah, Rashad White said that he isn't calling himself a starter yet. So either that or quarterback. That's he is an RB one. That or quarterback. That's about all I care about. Yeah, and then also Jason Light lit also didn't also was practically saying that he is not worried. He will take a quarterback if the right so. one falls. Like it, like there's there's potential if Will Levis falls down the board a little bit. Um, granted, his mm-hmm. draft – I don't know if you saw his draft odds went nuclear. Yeah, this morning, uh, this off morning, of a Reddit they went, post. They, yeah, they went four, like 4,000 to 1 to 40 to 1, like overnight. Like we said, it's we said it a couple minutes ago. It's all a crapshoot. I don't think anyone – I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen until their pick is finally on the board. And even that's then, they don't know what's going to happen. That's why I love it. NFL draft is so much fun. We saw it last year. I mean, who were the quarterbacks that were all getting projected up in the top 10 and top 15? It was, it was and then, Malik Willis who ended up, and then ended up going third round. Yeah, like, the only one that goes mm-hmm. in the first is Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Smallest and, hands yeah. out there. 
And there was talk, like, there, there was a little bit of talk Detroit might take Malik Willis at two. And then mm-hmm. ends up falling all the way to, like, mid-third round. It was crazy. That's what, It's one of those things with quarterbacks. Like, if they don't go in the first round, they tend to fall a little bit, it seems like. like that's, that's another thing about talking with Jay Traff for next year. Like, if he's not a first-round pick, when does he go? 100%. Well, let's uh, let's recap a little bit of our weekend, d and then we'll get into basketball and end this thing off. Not a crazy not night. Not talking about the just... Oh, yeah. So you got to talk about down. Dexter Carter's son. What's his name? Dustin. What's his name? Dustin. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's not Dustin. I'm not his I son. I'm not, his, I'm not his son. <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> Dustin Carter? I don't think so. There's a lot of different things that would have to change for you, Dustin, in order to – Don't have the athleticism. Case. Clearly. Thank you. Yeah. That and a lot of other <laughs> different tell. attributes that aren't there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, but, yeah, Dexter Carter's son, Florida State legacy. We got another Florida State legacy commit here for the Seminoles and Florida State's future at – on offense, but Devin Carter picks Florida State in the God 2026 class. I, this is wild. Now this is whew, my goodness. Now it feels like we're getting old, but yeah, some cool news there. And he's the first one in that class, D. Lou, and he's going to be the bell cow for it. But really cool. It's always good to get your own legacy guys into the fold, and you do that early too. And that's something Florida State has been trying to get better at. Even under the Jimbo years, it was tough to get grab some of these guys, but it seems like Minor Bell's doing a pretty decent job against some legacy guys into the fold. I'm thinking Julian Armella, along with Lamont Green, Boots, um, you know, some two youngsters who are, you know, flashing right in front of our eyes in practice. But now we got a 2026 young man picking the Seminoles. How about that pickup for Florida State, Lou? Like you said, it's always good to get a legacy commit and especially one that's this talented already is just a player who's coming off of his freshman season. I mean, you look at the offer sheet, he's a guy who picked Florida state over Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. I mean, Ohio state, pretty much all of the big schools in the country. A lot of them have already extended him an offer. And like I said, I mean, just a rising sophomore, someone that has three years left in his recruitment and three years left to grow at that high school level before he does eventually get to Florida state. But I mean, man, I think you've got to be really impressed with what he looks like already three years out already about six foot getting near 170 pounds. And last year, like I said, a freshman wide receiver playing at a Cedar Grove high school, 30 catches for 417 yards and six touchdowns as his team advanced the state championship came up short. But I mean, that's some motivation for him and the squad going into 2023 so yeah this is one that you've got to like you know it's hard to project these guys three years out but i mean if he continues continues to grow at this level and continues to ascend this is a guy that you're looking at as maybe a potential top 100 prospect um at some point in his recruitment and obviously the son of dexter carter played four years at florida state back in the late 80s first round pick in the nfl also coached at fsu back in the early 2000s thing. I think it was 2007 to 2009 or, or something in that range, but a guy who obviously has a lot of history at Florida state. And it's gotta be really cool for him to know that one day his son is going to wear the garnet and gold, just like he did. It, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw Dexter Carter's comments about it, about how he had a strained relationship with Florida state after how the whole Bobby Bowden situation went down and 
how the school or how the team had been performing the last few years to, to see him talk about, you know, he was stressing to his son, you know, take your time, take the visits, you know, when it's the right one. And then they visit Florida state and like, yeah, this is the right one. This is, this is the right program for his son. I thought that was really interesting. And to see him come full circle, Ho- hopefully his son becomes just a good player as Dexter was because Dexter was fantastic in those late eighties, him and Sammy Smith. Yep. That's cool. I love it, man. It's really cool moment for, him obviously his son too but just getting these legacy guys i think it's massive in a lot of things and it just goes to show believing in the process and what minor is trying to build and the culture yeah. and building trust too with these former fsu greats is, is is gigantic and what needed to be done and is still being worked on but it seems like they're finding a lot of success between minor and the rest of the coaching staff with a lot of good players and like you were saying dustin this is a guy that has a lot of high potential we're going all the way into 2026 so it's good to you know give some hype to him but you know there's <laughs> definitely some high upside definitely if you're going and looking at some stats too from his from just uh second year in high school right first First, rise. He's a First. rising sophomore, so just coming off his freshman season. Yeah, yeah just and wow. Yeah, so. obviously a, a lot of strong bloodlines to uh, live up to in the family. And that's something, Mike Norvell. We're we're used to this now, where he's going to go find talent, and it doesn't need to be on a two four seven or a rivals or on three rank. Like he'll go just go find and believe in the talent that he likes and he thinks that is going to fit mm-hmm. his offense or, you know, on the defensive side, but primarily offense. And it seems to be doing pretty well for him. So that's why whenever, you know, Mike's going after a few guys and might not be on rankings, just like if I go to Quindarius Jones, who stood out quite a bit in front of our eyes, Dustin at practice, like, who is that? Well, he's the guy that was giving Vondravius Jacobs a really tough time during that elite camp and ends up getting the offer and he commits. And now he's making strides in camp as a true freshman. So evaluating talent is something that I think Mike does a pretty damn good job of. And, you know, as coming off of a former wide receiver himself, Norvell, I think I trust in what he's going after. And, you know, you add that along with Dexter Carter's son. Come on now. <laughs> just makes sense. Just makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, to your point, just look at Florida State's 2024 class. I mean, this was a program that accepted a commitment from Cam Davis before he was ranked, and he ended up getting um, named a five-star, obviously still one of the top players in the country. Um, No longer a commitment, but I mean, same thing with Jordan Pride. A couple months later, you had him jump on board as an unranked player, and then bang, he's a top 30 player in the country as well. You saw with Luke Cromanhawk, Florida State accepted him when he was unranked, and now one of the top quarterbacks in the country – maybe a guy that potentially gets a five-star before the end of this recruiting cycle. So, I mean, what they've done, they've, they've already proven their ability to project these guys years out, and it's paying off. And, you know, I think it, when it, when you get a guy who's as talented as Devin and also having him as a legacy um, recruit, I mean, it's a no-brainer. BZ, let's jump. Well, no, I can't even do that yet because we haven't been able to talk about our Orlando trip down at Kenny Shaw's Raw Camp, his third one annual one. What do we got? This is per on three, but earlier today, five-star cornerback Charles Lester um, continued to say that Florida State leads for his services. Um, Like I said, per on three, Lester said, I would say Florida State is the leader right now in this process for me. If I had to choose today, I would go there. So we've talked about it before, Florida State building some serious momentum um, on the recruiting trail this spring. Obviously, Lester was a guy who has been in Tallahassee a couple of times this year and is one of the top targets, if not the top target 
for Florida State in that 2024 class at the moment. Um, already has guys like Cam Davis and Luke Cromanhawk in his ear. So, I mean, coaches as well as recruits. And, I mean, he's also talking to some players at Florida State. So, I mean, all three parties kind of coming after Lester here to get him to Florida State. But coming off a recent trip to Alabama, um, that were that was his comments that Florida State sits in the lead for his services at this point of his recruitment. A long way to go, but FSU doing as good a job as any right now for Lester. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about last week, seeing seeing Cam and also seeing Luke lock down their recruitments of Florida State, I think is a big deal and showing some of these targets that they're after definitely have the magnitude of Lester, where I don't think Florida State has to do a whole ton more into getting him to commit. Yeah, it seems like he wants to wait a little while, but it doesn't seem like they have to go overboard for Charles Lester or, you know, do some two-faced stuff with him. This is a guy that really likes Florida State already. Like you said, has relationships with with players that already committed with the Seminoles. So you don't have to do too much more here, but it's just great to hear that after visiting a program like Alabama and Nick Saban. So that's that's some really nice talent that Florida State does need. Having a really, truly talented cornerback is something Florida State has missed in a good long while. I'm going back to maybe Asante Samuel, a guy that developed, but he didn't come in and maybe, uh, you know, another legacy guy just to mention, but uh, someone of Lester's talents is, is a major need for Florida State going into the next couple of years. They, they need a really locked down cornerback. Well, let's jump into the Orlando trip. This will be our third transition try at this, unless Dustin is going to tell us about 2027 kicker. Actually, one moment. I do have to know. <laughs> yeah, I'll blow, I'll blow my head off on this live thing. <laughs> no, but we had a great weekend being able to go sponsor Kenny Shaw's camp. Always awesome just in general, being able to hang out with him as he comes on to hear the spear quite a bit and was just recently on Brian Stork's show with us, Calculated Chaos. Great weekend being able to hang out with him at the reception the night before and then obviously going out there onto the field on Saturday morning and being around a lot of other former Knowles, including Jameis Winston. Also had a guy, Terrence Brooks, one of my favorite players that I got to watch there on Florida State's defense during his season was Terrence Brooks. That guy is a beast, but good to see him doing well. But uh, just overall, really nice turnout. It was just great to spend time and just see what Kenny Shaw does. You can tell the impact that he's making all the people that just truly love that guy. And just to see that at the reception and the amount of people like well over, you know, what do you think? 75 people, maybe close <laughs> to more than that at the reception. Then you also have triple that at the event of the raw camp. Like it was a really nice weekend and you know it was a privilege for us to be invited also to have the chance to sponsor it this year and uh, a lot of cool a lot of cool moments you had Jameis Winston messing around with the kids and jumping up and down and doing his thing just nothing ever changes with that guy but you can just tell the love and support that they give to Kenny it's a really cool bond between those guys but a really really nice weekend in Orlando I've been really impressed with how this thing, the the raw camp has grown over the last couple of years. Cause you know, whenever we went out there two years ago, it was just kind of meeting out there on the field and, you know, they all kind of reunite before the camp and then go out there and, and, you know, work with the campers and everything. And this time, like you said, you kind of had the reception, everyone meeting up 
the night before, spending some time together, and then, you know, also getting out there the next morning and having two really productive sessions, one a youth session, and then I think one focused more on, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers. But, I mean, 150 to 300 kids that were, to be, that were able to be out there. I thought one of the most impressive things that Kenny said was that they were able to raise enough funding for this through the sponsorships and everything for this to be a completely free event. No, no campers had to pay to get out there and spend time learning from Jameis Winston, Carlos Williams, Terrence Brooks, Lonnie Pryor. I mean, all of these guys are out there on the field. And like you said, Logan, it's not just the guys from FSU. It's the relationships that Kenny has made. I mean, all around the country, all around the world, there was a player there that we spoke to. I can't recall his name, but he was talking to us about how he plays football in Germany. So, I mean, you have guys really coming, not just from FSU and the United States and the NFL, but also, I mean, from places outside of it as well. It really just shows the impact um, that Kenny has made. But like I said, really impressed that they were to make this a completely free event for um, both sessions. Um, I don't I don't think that was the case two years ago when we went. So, I mean, the Raw Camp has really made some tremendous strides and, you know, hopeful for us to continue kind of sponsoring them and, and following along with this thing throughout the future as Kenny continues to build it. Because it seems like next year they want to do two different locations. And I mean, really just keep progressing this thing in the right direction to make an impact, not only, not only locally over there in that Orlando area, but also, you know, across the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a really cool thing that he was telling us. Nobody has to pay. No camper had to pay to come, come be coached with some serious talent. Some guys still in the league doing their thing, but, you know, definitely looking at, the running back portion of it with Carlos coaching his group along with Lonnie Pryor also over there like that. That is incredible. That was like an incredible hour and a half, two hours that these campers got to have. And, uh, you know, knowing Los and if you guys saw any of the videos, you know, that's a guy that's going to be very hands on. He does his own thing in Tallahassee as well. James Wilder Jr. also does his own. Kenny Shaw, obviously. But, you know, a lot of these former Knowles definitely from the 2013 years, trying to get really involved in the community and do their own teaching like they had learned during their days on the college side and the pro side, but a really awesome weekend in Orlando. Uh, Let's jump into some basketball to end us off, VZ, as now it's your turn to give us the latest on the turnaround and the tuck. The turnaround and the tuck. I like it. It's not too much this week. It's you know it's not as hectic as, as it was last week when we had six different things. Um, really, I'd say the biggest theme was uh, Jeremiah Bembry had entered the transfer portal, a freshman guard who didn't get to play. Just numerous injuries between back. I think he had a foot injury at one point. Um, he's a guy whose tape I really liked out of high school. I just think the back ended up being a little bit worse than Florida State was expecting. You know, he, he didn't play a single second for, for Florida State last season. Now he gets replaced that, hopefully, with a guy that's going to play for them this upcoming season. Uh, you've got Georgetown transfer guard Primo Spears visiting campus starting tomorrow. Uh, he's coming off a Kansas visit. Um, some were a little bit surprised that the Kansas visit even happened. There, there was some speculation he may, he may or may not take that visit. Um but just I think he's wrapping up the visit right now, and then he's on a plane to Tallahassee tomorrow to start his visit at Florida State, and then he commits on the 29th. So it's a really quick timeline for him, but we're going to have information for him uh, this weekend. And, you know, a little spoiler warning I've, I've said in the discard, I feel, I feel really good about Florida State's chances here, uh, about landing a guy that's, you know, talented scorer, 13 points per game. 
um, it's kind of what they needed. They, they'd gotten the depth pieces. They, they need a guy that could actually put the ball in the hoop, and, and he can do that if he ends up choosing Florida State. Those were the two biggest things. Um, Matthew Cleveland is on a visit to Auburn right now. I think that's important to note. Um, yeah, that, that that's kind of it. Really, really quick recap this week. And also, not really a target anymore for FSU after how things transpired, but Jalen DeLoach um, committed to Georgia, so Florida State officially out of the running there. And I was just wondering real quick, Austin, could you give a rundown off the top of your head how many spots does Florida State have right now to work with so with right now, entering the portal, they got one spot right now, which you know I'm expecting Spears to take that spot. Well, like I said, we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. One spot they they may make another because there's still some guys that they're after. Um, old friend Efton Reed is in the portal, and F- Florida State's been after him a little bit. He's going to be going on his third program. Started at LSU, played last year at Gonzaga, um, and now is looking for a third home, and then. Uh, Another old friend, Musa Chise, is in the transfer portal, and Florida State's been talking to him. Uh, I remember that name. That was both of those were some recruitments to 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 watch. Let me tell you what. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they continue to go after them. I'm of the opinion Florida State doesn't really need a third big, but you know it's Leonard Hamilton. He's gonna he's gonna have his tall big players. It's just the way he's been, and you know, you you could say you need a replacement for Nahima Cloud, but I don't necessarily think you do. Um, if they end up really chasing those guys heavy, someone else is going to have to enter the portal. There's there's a couple guys at the end of the rotation that I'm keeping an eye on, but um, we've got I think right at two more weeks for this transfer window. I think the deadline's May 11th for guys to enter their name in the portal. So. We're coming up on that deadline quickly, and Florida State's, I think, trying to wrap the wrap the roster up before we get to that point. It's going to turn around. It's going to turn around and talk. Some dogs are coming. Some dogs are coming for Hope. Leonard. Hopefully, man. Because that's <laughs> not the case last year. <laughs> we'll see no, what happens. Not at all. I, th- yeah. I think the biggest gain is, uh, honestly, you get Jalen gaining back from injury. That's as big of a, that's as big of a news as transfer – News, honestly, he's he's such an impactful defensive defensive player. Someone Florida State desperately needed last year, and him tearing his ACL right before the season started sucked. Like, it was just a yep. huge blow to what that team was planning to do. Get him back, you know. Cameron Fletcher comes back from his ACL injury. You know, maybe you can be a middle of the back ACC team or better. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, really, it just depends how well they come back. You know. Yeah. You know, if, if Ganey's a very explosive athlete, if he doesn't come back with that same explosiveness, you know, obviously it's a little bit different. But I have I have faith. I I lost faith two I had lost faith two weeks ago. I'm starting to gain a little bit little bit of it back. I'm trying to talk myself into things I probably shouldn't be, but you know. Well, hopefully after this guy cancels his flight to Tallahassee and just commits to Kansas, she'll be back Man. where you need to be. Man. <laughs> yeah. If that if that happens, there's there's gonna be a, never mind. <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah we might not want to say that on live television nope do and i guess to, to expand on matthew cleveland's visit to auburn he did announce a top three of auburn missouri and then the shocking one was miami uh i yeah, i couldn't believe the, it he did the he buzzer did beater the on down. him man he just did the U down. Like, you can't do that and then just go play for them. 
At some um, point, they got to be doing it off of some kind of anger with the with the program that they're leaving. You know, like why do you I, need to do that? I I why kind of hope he's I kind of hope he's trolling them and does he does he you down as he's putting a Missouri hat on to go play for CY again? Um, but we'll see. I've I've said Auburn since the beginning. Like literally, as soon as he put his name in, I said I'm thinking Auburn. He's he's on his visit right now. We'll see what ends up happening. He was at Missouri. He was visiting Missouri last week. Um, we'll see what happens. I just pray it's not Miami. I I, I can't take it. He's got to be doing it as a troll. He's I hope so. Going man. to Auburn. I, I, man, wouldn't that be crazy? Matthew Cleveland returns to the Tuck next season in uh... in a Miami. That that'd probably be the. The most booze we we had heard in the Tucker Center since Grayson Allen. I don't. Were you at that game, mm-hmm. Dustin? Probably. Yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. god, that was. I remember that. <laughs> that was that was an experience when, when Grayson Allen first came. Or I guess it was the. I'm pretty sure time in Tallahassee. Yeah, and it was like a trending hashtag too. Like Madison Social was having a hashtag yeah. for, it, and they had cutouts of Grayson Allen's head and just booze. Is that when they had a nice little chant for him? Yeah, and. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've told the story on here. So I grew up with Grayson Allen in, in Jacksonville, Florida. Like his family went to the church that my school is associated with. My mom's really good friends with his family. So my mom and thirty members of our school and church are at that game with chants of <laughs> Grayson just throughout the entire building. And I look over from where I'm sitting on the baseline. I look over and Grayson's parents are sitting in front row. <laughs> Oh, I'm no. just like I'm so sorry, Ted Cruz. <laughs> and they're like, "It's not as bad as Louisville." That's that's literally what they said. It's not as bad as Louisville. Um, it was it was a it was a crazy game. That that was one of the wildest atmospheres. I'm, if Matthew Cleveland mm-hmm. came back in a Miami uniform, I'm sure it'd be a little similar to yeah. that. But what do you, what do you think, Austin? Since you've got the experience, a uh, good guy or a piece of shit? What do you think? Off the court, he's a good guy. Oh. He honestly is. It's disappointing to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> oh man yeah but i think that's going to wrap up this evening's episode we're going to continue to keep an eye on the joshua farmer situation as that continues to develop we'll see you know there was a question in our discord just now about does Corey fuller's relationship with both joshua farmer and daryl jackson change anything that's something that i had been talking about with the guys like that's definitely a, a plays a pivotal role and on um, Corey Fuller's. I mean, if y'all didn't know, if you are new listeners, Corey Fuller was our, our co-host whenever we began this podcast a long time ago. So we have a good relationship with Corey. We're seeing him at practice all the time and, you know, just knowing Corey Fuller and how he is as a coach. I was over there at Gadsden whenever he coached. He's a, he's a very hands-on guy, and I'm sure he's having a good couple conversations with both these guys. So we'll see what ends up happening. But it gets really interesting, though, gentlemen. Hopefully mm-hmm. we don't have this discussion next week where you lose Joshua Farmer on Daryl Jackson. You, you, that's just no bueno. I'm sorry, but that's just not good. Never know with how this NIL stuff goes. I mean, r- relationships are nice. Checks are nicer. <laughs> Someone paid me money. I would not be on here next week. So, <laughs> where would you be? Somewhere else. I don't know. At Waterburger. That's where. So I mean, be. I I'm just saying I understand the the decision. 
Yeah, yeah, you have you have people calling you, calling you with some money, six no, bigs. I'm, I'm hoping to elicit some interest after what I just said. So reach yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. If anybody, if anybody is on here and can throw Dustin a couple bucks on Venmo, just please do it. Because we're going to have to work some retention here. <laughs> out here, the spear. <laughs> Got to retain our roster, VZ. Or do we just let him go? Do we let him I go. Think, I think we let it's him like go. Col- it's like Colorado. Remember, remember the couple episodes we had without Dustin, and it was like our highest viewed episodes in a while. I'm just saying. <laughs> Got a point. Yeah. Well, that's gonna do it. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening. I know a little bit of a shorter episode, but this is what it, it's gonna get shorter. It's gonna get a little bit more slimmer in the coming weeks, just because spring camp has ended and we are in the dead period of offseason. I know Dustin's gonna say there's some recruiting stuff and whatnot, but after a while, how many more? times can you hear about 14 and 15 year old names i was just gonna say it's not shorter it's it's average size so average episode length you like this length do you like it longer or do you want it shut stop talking stop talking relatively this is a good length for me was it thick enough though all right all right relax thanks thanks everybody have a great rest of y'all's week and we'll talk to you guys next wednesday at 8 p.m. unless VZ makes us go to 8.30 hopefully 8 o'clock maybe maybe with the guests too maybe with the guests since things are starting to thin out a little bit we gotta get a guest on here to save the shows alright everybody have a great rest of the week see you next week peace Yeah, we're almost 17.